0: Welcome, everyone, to our 7investing live stream about all things Tesla. My name is Simon Erickson. I'm the founder and CEO of 7investing, where it's our mission to empower you to invest in your future. Our business here at 7investing is providing our seven top stock ideas every month for just $17. But our mission to empower others, we also offer a ton of free content such as this live stream this morning about all things Tesla. Before we jump in, a few reminders before our live stream commences. Uh, The first is this is an objective analysis of Tesla. It is not a promotion or a recommendation of the company's stock. Secondly, none of this material should be considered as personalized financial advice. And thirdly, our team or our live audience may have positions in the companies that are mentioned. So with all of that in mind, I'd now like to introduce my fellow seven investing advisors First, a shout out to our colleague, Matt Cochran, who isn't able to join us on the call this morning, but I am joined by Steve Symington, Max Chadsko, and Austin Lieberman. Gentlemen, how are we doing this morning on Tesla's Battery Day? Good, man. Doing great. (laughs) To kick things off, Tesla's growth story has been simply incredible. It's grown from being a conceptual idea of using battery technologies and electric vehicles to becoming one of the most innovative companies on the planet. It has a long list of achievements during the past 15 years, which includes the initial introduction of its Roadster, the scaling of its Model S vehicle, its more affordable Model 3 vehicle, its SUV Model Y, and expanding its gigafactory footprint across the entire country and also around the globe. It's also now developing revolutionary new autonomous driving capabilities, and has its sight sets its sight set outside of the auto industry as well, now introducing solar power and battery storage solutions for its residential and commercial energy customers. But in the first section, which I'd like to touch on here is, while Tesla's accomplishments have been impressive indeed, its stock performance of the last year has been downright meteoric. Tesla stock is up more than 420% during just 2020 alone, and up more than 800% during the past 12 months. With the company's recent five for one stock split, meaning it now has a lower price per share, it's widely expected to attract even more attention from individual investors. And so that brings us to our live stream call here today. What are we as individual investors to do? Is Tesla still in the earliest innings of a multi-decade growth trajectory? Or after its recent run up, is, is it indeed losing a bit of its charge? Our seven investing advisors will all be weighing in on several different topics on today's live stream call. We'll start with Steve, who will describe Tesla's market opportunity. We'll then go to Max to discuss some of its unique battery technology. We'll then go to Austin to discuss Elon Musk and Tesla's strategy. And then I'll round it out with Tesla's valuation and what we think about the stock today. And then at the very end, we'll wrap everything up together with our team team's thoughts about Tesla as an investment, and then also take your live questions from our audience. So if you would like to ask a question, please submit it with your name at the bottom of the live stream screen. So with that in mind, Steve, let's start with you. What can you tell us about Tesla's addressable market opportunity?
1: So in my mind, Tesla's Opportunity, it's tempting to think about it as just selling electric vehicles, and, and that's the way a lot of people want to value the stock. We'll talk about valuation later. Uh, but, and that is the most significant piece of its revenue pie right now, uh, of course. So, the name of the game right now is to maximize vehicle unit sales while simultaneously bolstering gross margins. That means reducing manufacturing costs and, in keeping with the battery presentation later today, one of the biggest opportunities for doing so lies in improving their battery technology, which which uh, Max will talk about shortly. But the key for now is getting as many vehicles on the road as possible. And once they're there, capitalizing on what should turn out to be a multi-trillion dollar opportunity, not just for electric vehicles, which the electric vehicle market in and of itself stands poised to replace, Uh, vehicles that use combustion engines in the coming years. And that's an industry that should be worth almost $4 trillion per year globally over the next decade or so, uh, but also trying to help usher in fully self-driving vehicle technology in the process. Now, that brings us to Tesla's plans to build its own robo-taxi fleet, which could serve as another incremental high-margin source of revenue for the company by sharing rider fees with owners of Tesla vehicles. Now, the folks over at ARC infamously pegged that market uh, as being worth as much as $2 trillion by itself over the next few years. And I think that could be a conservative estimate. But it's one industry that essentially uh, remains unaccounted for largely by the vast majority of investors as they try to value stocks like Tesla. And that, I think, is the real opportunity. Uh, at the same time, a lot of people doubt whether Tesla can deliver on full self-driving. But Musk himself recently offered an interesting update to that end on Twitter last month, uh, just over a month ago, he tweeted that a fully rewritten version of their full self-driving software will be on the way in the very near, near future. Now, last month, he said, judging uh, by the six to 10 week time frame he provided, that means it could happen as early as uh, as next month. Uh, Basically said that uh, it will be a quote quantum leap and improvements over the previous previous FSD software because it is a full architectural rewrite a foundational rewrite for Tesla autopilot and something he's been running personally in his own vehicle So it'll be really interesting over the next few weeks to see what Tesla unveils there because if it is indeed a quantum leap It could go a long way toward helping them realize that vision so in my view um I guess the other thing to keep in mind is that's not even to mention. We haven't even touched on their solar or power pack energy storage ambitions, which is an entirely uh, different additional market in and of itself. So in my view, uh, really the optionality that Tesla enjoys is staggering. Uh, Ambitious, sure, but if it can deliver on its goals of reducing manufacturing costs and maintain its lead in electric vehicles, battery technology and FSD tech combined, It's really not hard to see how the market might continue rewarding it with these eye popping multiples as it steadily realizes even a few of those ambitions uh, on a growing scale.
0: Max, we'll turn it over to you for the next section. You know, Steve was talking about several of those markets are multiple trillion dollars addressable market opportunities for Tesla, right? Or just within the vehicles, also within the autonomous opportunity, the battery or the uh, the the opportunity in the energy industry is with solar as well. But all of that kind of hinges on batteries as the common thread together. What do you think about Tesla's ambitions and its technologies in batteries today?
2: Yeah, so if Tesla's energy business was a standalone business, it would be pretty impressively large. Uh, in the last 12 months, end of June 30th, The company sold about 1.7 gigawatt hours worth of energy storage products, and that generated one and a half billion dollars in revenue. That also includes a slowdown from the pandemic in uh, the quarter for the last quarter. So, um, you know, things could have been growing even faster if not for that. So it's still kind of divided into the applications, obviously, right? Um, Tesla sells things like the Powerwall, which is for residential and commercial applications, right? You put on your house, you put on your business. It also sells, which is most of the business today, uh, utility scale products. So things like the Megapack. So for these, it's really targeted at uh, grid resilience initially. So things like replacing a natural gas peaker facility, right? That has, uh, it's very expensive to run and operate. You don't use it very many hours of the whole year. Uh, There's obviously a lag for starting those up, shutting those down but a battery can be on the grid almost instantaneously. So uh, a lot of value proposition there. And it's also proven to be a good test run for a new product that uh, Tesla's testing out, which is called AutoBidder. So AutoBidder allows utility-scale battery customers to uh, optimize when they sell their energy into the market. Um, so this makes a lot of sense, obviously, in utility-scale markets, but some analysts have wondered if this is you know, maybe the testing ground for opening this product up maybe in the next decade for all fleet owners of Tesla vehicles, right? I mean, if you have a Tesla and it's got an 85 kilowatt hour battery and it's sitting in your garage or on your driveway and your local grid needs a little juice, I mean, you could potentially sell some of your excess energy that's just sitting in your driveway uh, and, you know, also decrease the cost of car ownership. So lots of things that would have to happen there from a regulatory standpoint or even hardware, and infrastructure, but uh, something to keep an eye on right there for that. So you know, with it being Battery Day, I think it's important maybe to go over some of the the basics in terms of you know we think of a battery as being it's a lithium ion battery. They're all kind of the same, right? And that's not really true, as Tesla shows. So you know, investors have to think of batteries are going to be very uh, application specific, right? I mean, what goes into uh, a utility scale battery like the Megapack? Obviously, you have a lot more wiggle room with weight requirements. I mean, it's going to be sitting in a field somewhere. It doesn't really matter how heavy the thing is, right? But that's not the case for something like a vehicle, right? A roadster, a semi, a Model 3, anything like that. Um, Weight is very important. Power density or energy density, rather, is very important. Um, You know, so different battery chemistries, different battery cell designs all come into play. Uh, so that's kind of what the rumors are for today, right? And must kind of walked that back in a tweet just earlier here about uh, trying to set expectations a little bit below, you know, world-changing events. But um, there's been some rumors of, you know, what could the announcement be today? Maybe it's a one-million-mile car or, you know, the battery pack would last that long. Maybe it's something like an iron phosphate chemistry, which Tesla's using with its battery cell provider in China, which is uh CATL. Um so with the walk back comments, I'm not sure how where investors should expect that to be. I mean, it makes sense. He said, you know, there's going to be time to ramp up production capacity, um, anything with with ramping up from a lab scale or pilot scale up to commercial scale. Uh, for manufacturing, is obviously very difficult, as Tesla investors know all too well. But um, I think investors could be pretty happy if Tesla just in- announces uh, an advanced battery architecture and with some improvements in chemistry. So, maybe look for something along the lines of uh, using a little more nickel in the cathode that can lower the cost of the overall battery. Maybe we can add some ceramic coatings to the separators, which would increase the longevity and the cell cycling capacity. And one of the bigger advancements, I'm not sure if this is really ready for prime time, but you never know with Tesla, would be introducing silicon into the anodes. So, silicon's been The awesomest material, we want to use that in anodes, but the problem is uh, it expands and contracts way too much. There's too much volumetric change when you're charging and discharging a battery, so it causes way too many problems. It just can't be used safely in any applications. But with some recent advances in nanotechnology, we could use silicon nanoparticles perhaps or silicon nanowires, which wouldn't go through the same volumetric change, and that could greatly increase... Uh, charging speeds for batteries, and also energy density. So just given Musk's comments about, uh, you know, these battery announcements that he's going to make today would be for the Semi or the Roadster, uh, you know, maybe this is Silicon's time to shine here in the next few years. So I guess all we really can do is uh, wait for later today.
0: Yeah, great points, Max. And like you mentioned, there's going to be a a Tesla announcement later today for their own live stream for their battery day. We'll keep an eye out for some of those new chemistries, like you mentioned, some of the improvements in the energy density. Max, you also mentioned Elon Musk tweeting. And of course, Elon Musk is one of the key uh, components of Tesla. It's a lot of the reason that people invest in Tesla has been his execution, which has been fantastic for several years now. Austin, let me turn it over to you. Uh, What can you tell us about Elon Musk? Well, I'm sure there's a lot to talk about with Elon Musk, but what can you tell us about his strategy for Tesla going forward? Yeah, uh, as an investor, I love to focus on leadership and
3: management of companies. I love investing in founder-led companies. Elon Musk is not technically the founder of Tesla, but for all intent and purposes, he is. Most of his net worth is in fact tied up in Tesla. So I consider him just like a founder. Uh, Just like Max talked about, I I don't know of another CEO of a company, especially around a $400 billion company that has the ability to move the stock price like Elon Musk can. Uh, not saying he does it intentionally, but uh, whether he tweets something that might be construed as positive or negative about the company, we have seen Tesla's stock price move 10, even 20% on the back of Elon Musk tweets sometimes. So... Uh, what I want to dive into is not just the Elon Musk that we see out there on Twitter and through social media that can be um, that that can be pretty polarizing. I want to talk about Elon Musk in kind of three segments. I'm going to talk about his education, his history as a founder and operator, and then Elon's strategy for Tesla. And then a little bit we can't talk about Elon Musk without talking about his history as a marketer for the company, which is what has made him such an exciting follow on Twitter. So Elon was born in South Africa in 1971. That makes him 49 years old today. I can't believe he's only 49 years old. Think about the things that uh, he could achieve for this world and potentially uh, on other planets in, for the remainder of his life. That's exciting to think about. His estimated net worth is around $100 billion as of September 2020, and much of it is tied up in Tesla and SpaceX. From an educational standpoint, he studied uh, economics and physics at the University of Pennsylvania, and he graduated in 1997 with a Bachelor of Science degree in economics from the Wharton School and a Bachelor of Arts degree in physics from the College of Art and Sciences. I went to college and I had trouble finishing with one degree. So early on in his education, we already started to see how much of a go-getter and a thinker and achiever Elon Musk was. His his tenure in Silicon Valley started in 1994 with two internships. One was at an energy storage startup, and the other was at a a startup called Rocket Science Games. And by one of his early mentors there, the person that hired him, he was actually uh, noted to have boundless energy and a hacker background, and he wasn't afraid to go figure things out. That was according to Bruce Leek, who was actually a lead engineer, eventually uh, behind Apple's QuickTime product. In 1995, the education he had already gotten wasn't enough. He started his PhD at at Stanford in energy and physics, and he actually applied to Netscape and never heard back. So shortly after that, I don't know if it was out of spite or, or why, but he left the graduate program at Stanford and dropped out and launched an internet startup instead. And so just imagine what the world would be like, and maybe Tesla doesn't even exist if Elon Musk heard back and got that job at Netscape. So my takeaway there is uh, even early in his educational career, Musk was known as a creative go-getter. He's an engineer by training, and that has heavily influenced his strategy as a founder and CEO, especially at Tesla and SpaceX. So let's jump into my segment 2 Let's talk about Elon as a founder and an operator. In 1995, he co-founded Zip2, which was a web software company that developed internet city guides for newspaper publishing companies and eventually sold to Compaq. Uh, From that, Musk received $22 million. And we're going to see an interesting trait here of Musk piling this money that he gets from these endeavors into his next company, which is a similar strategy that he's applied from a product perspective to build Tesla. And we'll get into that later. So then in March of 1999, he piled that $10 million into um, X.com, which was a financial services company that merged with a company called Confinity. The important part about this, Confinity owned PayPal. In October, 2002, PayPal was acquired by eBay and Musk received 165 million, uh, leaving the company. In 2002, he founded SpaceX. So interesting fact there, he was a part of SpaceX long before he was a part of Tesla. Uh, And SpaceX is is the space exploration company that he still runs today alongside Tesla. We've all seen it in the news with their recent launches. In 2004, Musk led an investment round in Tesla, joined the board of directors and eventually assumed the CEO role and took over as product architect in 2008, right after the great financial crisis. He he holds both of those positions today. And a little interesting fact, Musk is the longest tenured CEO of any automotive manufacturing company. Pretty interesting when we think about uh, Tesla's history there. My takeaway from this section is that for as much criticism as Musk gets, he has a long history as a founder and operator at very successful, innovative companies. He's invested his own money into each of his ventures. So his financial success is aligned with shareholders, especially at Tesla, where most of his net worth is tied up. So let's talk a little bit about strategy at Tesla. And if we followed the company, we have seen this played out. And remember, Elon's history of investing proceeds from previous sales into his next company. He did. He's done the same thing with products at, at Tesla to grow Tesla. So uh, they started out trying to make consumer electric vehicles even possible. There was no infrastructure. You couldn't charge them. And nobody even believed in the possibility of making cross-country trips in electric vehicles. It was just a dream. So they started with a very expensive premium Roadster. And this was a key move. They did this to gain brand recognition, take in some pre-sales, and then used those reservations to fund the production of that vehicle in 2008. After that, they have increasingly introduced new vehicles at lower price points to try to grow their market, which we talked about earlier, and they've been highly successful. So they introduced the more affordable Model S, which brought in their market. And then they used that money to pile it into the production of the Model, uh, the model X and the Model 3 in 2015 and 2016, respectively. They produce their vehicles on their own in their own manufacturing plants, which gives them control over every single detail in the process. This is important for Tesla, but it also gives them a lot more risk. And so they're continuing that strategy today. We're seeing it with uh, battery manufacturing. We're seeing them introduce new vehicles, the Cybertruck. I'm excited about that. I have a reservation. Not sure if I'll ever buy it, but I thought it was awesome to get a reservation. And finally, we can't mention Elon Musk again without talking about his social media activity. He's transitioned from having to be the entire public relations team for Tesla in the early days, to uh, which has gotten him in trouble, even with the SEC at times, to more of what we would expect from a CEO on social media. But he'll always be Elon, and so we should always be ready for some of his uh, antics as a promoter of the company. But I do think he's made some significant improvements in the way he acts on social media, which is has been good for the company and he's had to because he's gotten some heat from the SEC. So wrapping that up on uh, Elon Musk. hope you enjoyed learning about him as an educator, an operator, and then a little bit of a marketer. And so I'm um, throwing it back over to you, I think, Simon.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Thanks very much, Austin. Elon, definitely a trump card, uh, both a great operator that's really involved in the details of Tesla, but also a promoter of the company, too, that likes to speak his mind out there on Twitter. The last thing that I'd like to talk about in our live stream before we turn it over to Q&A of the questions that you have for us is about Tesla's current valuation. Tesla today has a market cap of around $414 billion. That's right at around $425 a share. After its recent five for one stock split. And just to put that into context, this is a very expensive stock to buy. There's a lot of expectations for Tesla to expand beyond just becoming an auto manufacturer of electric vehicles to using that battery technology for other things. And to give a little bit of background on that, when we look at other automakers out there, Ford Motor is valued at $27 billion, General Motors at $43 billion, Honda Motors. Uh, just the motor division of Honda forty two billion dollars general motor i 'm sorry toyota motors one hundred and eighty three billion dollars and daimler uh, at fifty five billion dollars so if you add all of those other automakers together, you still are not getting the same market capitalization that Tesla has. What this means is the market is very the stock market is very clearly pricing and growth for Tesla outside of just autos. Perhaps that's a power provider using solar panels to do distributed energy. Perhaps that's using batteries to sell to other vehicles. Perhaps it's the robo-taxi network that Steve mentioned earlier. And I'm glad that he went into all of those different addressable markets that Tesla has because it's going to have to execute there and it's going to have to succeed there as well. Just to put a little bit more context behind this, other utilities in the United States, such as National Grid, it currently has a market cap of around $40 billion dollars Duke Energy at around $60 billion. So could we have a distributed energy angle for Tesla? Perhaps. Could it be a power producer that competes against Next Era Energy and their solar production? That's a company worth $140 billion. But if you look at, even if Tesla was the highest valued auto maker in the world, putting it around $200 billion market cap right there, you've still got another half of the stock that is exposed to other disruptive opportunities that it has. And so my takeaway for this section is we really need to see those addressable markets that Steve mentioned in the first section of this call, see if they can disrupt that $4 trillion uh, vehicle market, that $2 trillion robo-taxi fleet market, and then also the multiple trillions of dollars that are awaiting them in energy storage and in power production. There's a lot of opportunities for Tesla that are already baked in, at least to some degree, in the expectations of the stock. And so with that in mind, we're now going to open up to the entire team. Um, we do have a couple of questions that are coming in. Thank you for everyone who is submitting questions. We got a couple earlier, too, that we'll read through. But I'll uh, make the attempt in, in sending these live um, as, we, as we receive them to the advisor on the call that mentioned it here during our live stream. The first question is from, from Ken. Uh, where do you think electric vehicles will be in five years? And as other companies invest in electric technology, uh, will this change Tesla's valuation? So where will electric vehicles be in five years? And will other companies be investing in electric technologies that affect Tesla? Uh, Steve, do you want to take the first crack at that one? Yeah, I I was just
1: thinking that might be a good, uh, um, good one for me. The uh, electric vehicles... Uh, in another five years. Or, you know, I mean, one, I, I think it goes without saying that, that we're going to see a lot more on the road. Uh, there are, um, you know, several of the, uh, the the biggest manufacturers, just the even the legacy manufacturers have announced roadmaps that largely revolve around EV technology. So uh, I want to, I, I, Volkswagen, I think, uh, comes to mind. Uh, they said something over the next five years or so, uh, they're looking at actually, um, you know, basically rolling out an all EV lineup. I I know there's, uh, electric versions of several, uh, flagship Ford vehicles coming out. And, uh, you know, some of the big ICE fans, uh, interim combustion engine fans are are kind of up in arms about it, but that's the way it's going. And, uh, you know, you kind of lose the sound, but gain the torque and, and, uh, you know, and then it's, it's just, you know, Possible future. I think it's just going to go the way of the EV, and and that's the way we're going to see it. But, um, yeah, it's it's hard to, to put a number on that, you know, without digging in and fighting uh, finding specific citations on studies. But um, I think it's going to be one of those curves, you know, just like your your e-commerce versus in-person retail, uh, you know, where it happens slow and then happens much more quickly. Uh but I think everybody else is gonna be playing catch up, uh to be honest, behind companies like Tesla. And I've said that before on previous podcasts, is that if Tesla wins, everybody else loses and and uh yeah, that's as a as a Tesla shareholder, <laughs> you know, I can I can maybe say that with a little bit of bias, but
0: I'm not the only one who obviously thinks that way. Yeah, I I agree. Just to add with what Steve said, Ken, I think one of the big advantages for Tesla is the data advantage. They've got Autopilot collecting a lot of data out there because it's actually self-driving itself. Tesla, of course, a big part of this thesis is getting to full self-driving. We're not there yet, but people have already put $8,000 down for the software package that would enable Teslas to completely drive themselves in the future, perhaps be a robo-taxi where you send your car out. Uh, Tesla gives people rides around like Uber is doing today, but it's keeping the entire share, and Tesla's making, maybe taking a 20% of that through the Tesla network. In addition, for all of that data that it's generating, while well, it's being a robo-taxi or autonomous service. Uh, that's just training its neural networks to be even better at self-driving. And I think that's the big advantage they have over a lot of those other vehicle manufacturers is actually be behind the scenes and the data centers and the neural networks they're training so they can recognize things better and drive more effectively and safely. Uh, next question, I think, is coming in on the screen live from Steve Albert. It looks like it says, how can I invest in Tesla's growth indirectly? Do they have any suppliers that have a moat of any kind. Uh, maybe, Max, do you want to start with that one? And Austin, chime in if you'd like to also.
2: Yeah, I'm not too well up on the uh, on the vehicle angle of it. But for batteries, I think we'll start to see some differentiation. I mean, there's going to be um, deals just for specific materials. And if you look at the technology roadmap for batteries, versus so we have current generation now, um, in the next five to seven years, there's going to be something called just advanced designs, advanced uh, generation batteries. And then the next frontier is kind of like towards the back end of the 2020s, um, maybe like a solid state battery. So all of these are built differently. They're constructed differently and they all have different material requirements. So there might be some plays there in terms of um, picking up on one of those before it kind of, uh, before Tesla really announces or has their production ramped up. But um so uh, it's still too early for
1: for that angle, though. Uh, I uh, uh, something to add. oh To that oh, end, uh, <laughs> John Austin, you, you, <laughs> right, you go ahead. You got like just kidding. on Elon. But no, speaking of Elon, uh, yesterday as part of that tweet where he's talking about kind of playing down the battery uh, day expectations, he said we intend to increase, not reduce, battery cell purchases from Panasonic, LG, and CATL, possibly other partners too. Uh, and said, however, even with our suppliers going at maximum speed, we still see for significant shortages in 2022 and beyond unless we take action ourselves. But I guess in a way you could look at you know companies like Panasonic and LG uh, as indirect plays. But even then, I think it's a small enough piece of their own revenue streams that it's not something where I would go out and, and try and invest in their growth because they're a supplier to Tesla. It's not like being a supplier to Apple. You know, for example, where you can find someone, you know, that might jump like that. But my two cents, go Austin. (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, The only thing I'll add um, is I, as an investor, try not to invest in any company that is super reliant on another company using using their products as a manufacturer or something just because all it takes is one decision or, or, you know, Maybe Tesla decides they used to use NVIDIA GPUs, I think, in in their vehicles. Uh, They decided to make their own. And NVIDIA was able to sustain that. They're a huge company. Um, But if it was a smaller company, that could destroy an investment thesis. The way I try to think about investing maybe off of a trend like EVs or Tesla, especially if they get the autonomous vehicle network going, is... What are the second and third order effects that might happen from that? And for me, one of the things I'm thinking about is maybe we're looking at, especially with coronavirus, a shift away from big cities to where people are living more in rural areas. And then what are some ideas that might come up from that as companies I like? And I'm not talking about any specifically, this is about Tesla, but that's how I think about investing off of some of these, these company theses or, or big trends.
0: Yeah, and that's a good also, point.
2: Also makes a good point about, you know, you don't want to disinvest in a company because it's supplying Tesla if it's too much of this revenue stream. So um, like 10 years ago, there was a company, A123 Systems. It's a big battery IPO, big battery company, right? Um, it's supposed to have everybody using electric vehicles. And it was just kind of like too early, and it had some manufacturing issues. But one of the com- reasons that it had to file for bankruptcy was it was very aligned on Fisker initially, Fisker Automotive, another failed company, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And then when Fisker ran into issues, it kind of just – you know, took the bottom out from A123 Systems' business model, I was using that as, like, an anchor customer for revenue and to get to scale. So that fell out, and then, you know, the rest is history. So so uh, Austin makes a good point there.
1: Yep. Same thing happened with gt uh, GT Advanced Technologies. Uh, there was the supposed to be supplying Sapphire Glass to Apple, and then it turned out they're, uh, they had a super unfavorable contract with Apple where if they didn't meet certain milestones, uh, all of a sudden they went from... It went from 60 to zero real quick, (laughs) and uh, everyone was stunned because GTAT was supposed to be this big apple supplier. But, yeah, lots of examples uh, to that end.
0: Great points. We've got two more questions before we wrap it up real quick here. One from Scott that says, planning on selling off 10% of my holdings uh, every time Tesla gains 10%. Is that a good strategy? How much would you hold long term? Now, again, we can't give personalized financial advice, Scott. So this is just an opinion of us on the team. But with a company like Tesla, as volatile as it is, where even a tweet from Elon Musk about funding secured can make big, volatile changes in the stock price. I think that it's very difficult uh, to build an investment thesis just around those, that volatility of the stock. This is one that moves around a lot. And certainly from my perspective, this is a company that you need to look for the long term. What's the progress they're making in battery technology or the number of deliveries of the cars that they're delivering or the number of of cars that they're producing all around the world? Or where is Elon going to go with the robo taxi network uh, or autonomous driving? That's really the key to investing in thesis. I think that if you're a buyer, you don't want to just be looking to get in and out uh, every 10 percent like that really buy and hold for a company like this because it's such a long-term disruptive approach. And, and and Austin, I'm going to give you the last question, which is coming from JT, which is, do you think electric vehicles will be Tesla's biggest revenue stream in 10 years?
3: Wow. Uh, no. And it really, this has less to do with Tesla and more to do with the way that we see some of the world's most innovative companies evolve over time is a lot of times... Their revenue comes from places that we never expected and innovations we never expected. Tesla is one of the most innovative companies in the world. So I think most of their revenue will come from other places. And Hannah
0: is here as well. So hey, (laughs) Hannah. I think she's a Tesla fan as well, right? Did she, did she have an opinion on whether EVs she, or the rest of Tesla was selling? She was TVs? actually,
3: Elon just tweeted. So she, every time Elon tweets, she runs in and tells me what
0: he tweeted about. That's <laughs> great to know. Okay, we're going to get her on the next show for some comments about Elon Musk. Uh, final question before we sign off here. We did promise this was going to be an objective call and not a promotion uh, for Tesla as a recommendation. So just around the horn real quick, on three, thumbs up. Thumbs neutral or thumbs down on do you think Tesla will outperform the S&P during the next one year? Again, will Tesla's stock today at four four $425 a share outperform the S&P? One, two, three.
2: I want Two ups wonderful. and
0: three downs when you count two for max there. Um, I think for Austin's Matt. daughter was a neutral, at least from this perspective. Oh, that looks like a down two. So it's down four and up two. <laughs> And the other question is, over the next five years from today, do you think Tesla's stock will outperform the S&P? Yes or no? (laughs) Three up, one down for five years for Tesla. Again, we pointed out it's an expensive stock right now. There's a lot of expectations built in. As an investor, it's going to be a question of whether Elon and the rest of his company can perform on those expectations. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining uh, our Seven Investing team call today. Again, our live stream on Tesla. It's been a fascinating stock. It's one that's in the news a lot. Our mission here at Seven Investing is to empower people to make better investing decisions. We like to offer our objective advice. On what's going on out in companies that are in the stock market. If you would like to learn more about seven investing, our website is seveninvesting.com. If you'd like to sign up and get our seven best stock ideas every month for $17, it's seveninvesting.com/slash subscribe. On behalf of all seven investing advisors, my name is Simon Erickson. We are here to empower you to invest in your future. We are Seven Investing.